Well, good morning to everyone. I hope the Lord's given you a good week. I hope and pray that everything's gone well. Come to the house of God this morning where I'm thankful for the many blessings that he's bestowed upon us. I'm, I think every day how wonderful it is that God gives us plenty to eat. And I say often, and I hope that you believe it, God feeds us just like he fed those Israelites in the desert. Now, we don't get them at the same place. I know you go down to the grocery store, but the Lord furnishes that. And if he should stop furnishing that, let the crops go bad or the trucks all die or something uh, that delivers that to us, we'd be in bad shape. Thank God for that this morning. Good to see all of you this morning. Uh, good to have the Hinkleys with us again. Uh, good to have uh, Hans. Good to have Roy and Virginia. Good to have Freddie. And we're honored to have Brother Joe and Sister Priscilla Bryant with us. They're from Tennessee. They tell me that Tennessee is the volunteer state. So I'm assuming that they volunteered to come out here. <laughs> but it's good to have them. And I hope and pray that we'll have a good day in the Lord. I will be speaking to you this morning in Sunday school lesson from Romans chapter 12. As you're turning there, let me say, I've been in the chapter of Romans, I've been in the book of Romans almost a year, and I've got to, down to chapter 12. I do, not, I do not study the Bible a chapter at a time. I try to study the Bible a verse at a time. And I want to get what, what the Bible's got for me. The Bible is God's Word. And I'm, a, I'm appalled at people that's in the world today, and, and they don't have any guidance seemingly for their destination or for their... And let me say, I, I'm grateful to have my wife back. Thank you, honey. I... She's been gone, for those of you that don't know, she's been gone almost two weeks. She went to Ireland. She's got kindreds over there, and, and she visited them. Hadn't been there in quite a while. So we are indeed glad to have you back. And, but Romans chapter 12, as I was saying, it's taken me quite a while to get here. We went through the book the first part of Romans where Paul was, uh, 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 he was encouraging the church at Rome because their, their faith had been heard the world over. And at that time, Rome was the center of the known world. And so it would be, it would be okay. It would be probable that their faith had been heard of since that's the center of everything in the world back then. But, and then he goes through uh, uh, the, the sins of mankind and, 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 and mankind today, as I observe myself and I observe other people, mankind has got a problem with sin. I've got a problem with sin. You've got a problem with sin. Not because we're bank robbers and killers, but, 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 our, but we are... We are uh, we're child, we're children of wrath, 
according to uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. We're all children of wrath. You say, well, I don't like that. Well, I don't like it either, but it's what God said about us. See, you uh, don't blame God, blame Adam. Adam is where we got that. See, you got it from your folks, and, and they got it from their folks, and, and my, my, my grandfathers passed it on down, and they couldn't help it. See, they couldn't help it. By nature, we're children of wrath. Now, somebody said, well, well, I thought the Bible had good things to say. It does. It's got very good things to say. And I, in fact, the Bible is practically from Genesis to Revelation is telling us how to escape wrath. How to escape wrath, see? And, and, and we need, and can I say this to you as your friend? What we really need to do first is pay attention to what God said. Don't pay attention to what they say on TV. Don't pay much attention to your neighbors. Pay attention to what God has to say. After all, he's the winner. And he's going to judge us all. He's going to judge me, and he's going to judge you. See, now the question is, how will it be with me at judgment? See, that's the question. Now, I know people say, well, I don't want to, I've met a, a person or two that said, I don't want to think about that right now. And I say, well, when are you going to think about it? You need to address it, see? And I'm not, not talking down to you. I'm trying to be a friend to you, see? And I found out, I found out when I got saved that I was lost, undone, without God, away from God, and, and really, you know, uh, the Bible says, when we were enemies. And that's kind of offensive to people. Oh, now, Mr. Pollard, I'm not an enemy of God. Well, the Bible said, when we were enemies, Christ died for the ungodly. See, Jesus Christ died for his enemies. See, and now, now one, of the, one, of the, one of the hardest things for me to do as a Christian is what Jesus said uh, in the Beatitudes. What did he say? He said a lot of things, but what I'm, what I'm driving at, he said, love your enemies. Now, that's kind of hard for my flesh to do. I guess your flesh has, is, is okay with it, isn't it? It's kind of hard for my flesh to do. See, love your enemies. If they hunger, feed them. If they thirst, give them water that you might Heap coals of fire upon their head. That's what we're supposed to do as Christians. See, that's what we're supposed to do. Now, my flesh, my flesh, and one man said, when I'm going down the interstate at 80 miles an hour and, and somebody darts right in front of me about misses my front of my car about four feet, my first reaction is not, God bless you. See, that's who we are in the flesh. See, but... Jesus loved us. We sang a song a while ago. We sang a song a while ago. And it said, he prayed for us while in such agony. And he did. You know, he said, and, and all those people, that the, the Pharisees and the Jews and the, and the Romans and Pilate that pronounced judgment on him. And when he went to Calvary and, and in, in his greatest agony, he prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Now we read that and we kind of think he's talking about the Jews and the Romans and all that, and he was. 
But he's talking about me too. See, he was talking about me. Why? Well, I helped send him to Calvary. See, he paid for the sins of the whole world. God sent him to die. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see what I mean? Now I say this, and, and, and I've said it before, but let me say it one more time because I think I feel a need to say it. Most people in America, most people in Oklahoma, they think that someday God is going to have a great big gathering and he's going to weigh up our, our deeds. And if your good outweighs your bad, you'll go to heaven when you die. See, now most people believe that. And I'm not, and I, and I'm not getting on you. I'm just saying that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. What is in the Bible is this, is this verse in Romans. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means me and my folks and you and your folks. See, like I said a while ago, need to pay attention to what the Bible says, not what they say on TV. See? Okay. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. So one man said, what do I do about that? I said, well, you, you obey the gospel. You obey the gospel. Now, now, many people have defined the gospel, but the gospel is death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to me. See, to me. A lot of people do the Christmas story, and you know, and they and they have uh, 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 where uh, the, the 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 angels were around, were singing about the birth of Jesus, and they did, and and but but why did Jesus come? See, he didn't come to make Christmas. He come to make he come to save sinners like me. See, and 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 thank God, it's a gift. It's a gift, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, for by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Okay? All right, that's my introduction. Romans, Romans chapter 12, and I got down to verse 3 uh, uh, or 4 last Sunday, but may I, may I read the first three verses again to maybe bring your mind up to attention where I would like for it to be. All right, Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren. Now, get that word brethren. If you don't, you'll miss it. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. Get that word prove, underline it. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you're saved, we need to present our bodies a living sacrifice for God. One man said, but I've got to work for a living. I know it. And God expects people to work for a living. Uh, but, but, you got other, you got, time besides when you're at work, right? And, and, and so we are to present ourselves a living sacrifice to God. Now, sacrifice means that it costs you something. See, a living sacrifice means that it costs you something. 
not necessarily your dollars, but your time and, and, your, and your, uh, your allegiance. Your allegiance. How is your allegiance, Christian, towards the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you think of him often in the day? Paul said uh, uh, that, that we should give our bodies a living sacrifice for God. One of the, one of the, uh, one of the uh, uh, Bible writers said, pray without ceasing. See, one man said, well, I, I have to go down the highway and I can't get on my knees and shut my eyes. I said, don't shut your eyes, but you can still pray. See, we got, we got examples in the Bible. Uh, uh, the Pharisee and, 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 uh, and uh, the publican went up to the temple to pray and the Pharisee said, I thank you, God, I'm not, I'm not bad like these other people. I tithe and I, and I fast twice a week or twice, and, and I'm not like this other guy. And the Bible says the publican would not so much as lift up his eyes to heaven, but smote himself on the breast, on his breast and said, Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that'll get the job done. That'll get the job done. God's not looking for somebody that will do a great amount of annex. Or he's not looking for somebody that wants to make a big splash in the earth. Actually, you know, we are all dust. I'm not trying to put you down, but where did God make Adam? In the book of Genesis, where did God make Adam from? The dust. And when Adam sinned, God pronounced this. He said, Adam, dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. So when I go to thinking of myself that I'm a pretty good hot shot in this, uh, in this realm, or this, I'm reminded I'm dust. Now, don't get me wrong. God loves you. God loves you, and he sent his son to die for you and for me. But, but as a living sacrifice, that's what a Christian should do. See, now, now being a Christian is... Uh, like what Paul said, let this mind be in you which was in Christ. See, now we need to do that continually, not just on Sunday. Right. See what he's saying to us there? All right, may I read on because I'm, I'm chasing too many rabbits. Verse 3, for I say, uh, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. See, that's what we're supposed to think. Not highly of myself. I'm, I'm not high. I'm a few days and full of trouble, Job said. That's who we are on earth. But God's got a greater place where he wants to give us a new body and never die and live forever and ever and ever. Who wouldn't want that? Is that a good deal? Is that a good deal? See, I've said this before. May I say it again? What would you give for eternal life? Now, we get we get an ailment. We get a we get a problem in our health. We run to the hospital, and uh, and, and and they work on us. And thank God for doctors. 
and then they send you the bill for $3,000. And, and we might complain, but we pay it. What I'm driving at is we pay $3,000 to have good health, but, but the question is, what would you give for eternal life? See? Now I've got good news. It's free. It's free. It don't cost you anything, but it costs God something. See, one man said, I don't look like much, but I cost a whole lot. And we did. We cost God his son to, to go to Calvary for us. And he went for me and you. And that song said, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And Jesus could do that because that's how great he was. Okay? Not to think more highly of ourselves, but think of soberly. Soberly means soberly means seriously. Seriously, see. Think seriously about these things. All right. Soberly, according to as God has dealt every man the measure of faith. For, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, every one members one of another. There's a lot of church doctrine in those two, two verses right there. Number one, there are many members in one body. See, we're a body, a local church. We believe in a local church that you can see. We believe in a local church where you can visit. But we're one body in Christ. See, one man said, I joined the church. Well, did you, were you saved first? Now, joining the church will not any more make you a Christian than joining the Elks Club will make you an elk. See? So we're one body in Christ. In Christ, okay? And, and, and uh, everyone members one of another. What does that mean? What does that mean, church? It means I'm supposed to care about his welfare. I'm supposed to care about her welfare. So I'm not supposed to just go home and say, well, I hope we're doing well. We're supposed to care one for another, see, because Jesus Christ has put love in our heart. Not only love for the body, but love for lost people, see, and so that's what we are in, a, in, a, in the church, okay? <clears throat> For as, uh, uh, accordingly as God has dealt every man the measure of faith. See, faith has got to be involved. Faith has got to be involved. See? All right? Let's see what else he has to say here. Uh. Having then gifts different, differing according to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, and, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. That, that is church doctrine. That's where, that's where the church gets some of the things we do. Let's, let's look at those so that we might understand what the Lord would want us to do. First thing he said, uh, 
uh, on, on whether prophecy, let us wait on prophecy. And, and somebody said, well, who's y'all's prophet down there? We don't have an Old Testament prophet, but New Testament prophecy is what we call testifying. It's witnessing. That's New Testament prophecy. We're not going to get any more new messages from God than what's in this King James Bible until, until the church is out of here. Then there's going to be an angel preach to people down here. But right now, we're not getting any more. That's it. That's what God, not all God knows, but it's all He wants us to know. See? So, I own prophecy. In other words, when you testify, take the Lord with you. Ask the Lord to give you words. Ask the Lord to give you leadership. Church, all right. On ministry, let us wait on ministering. These, these ministries in the Baptist church, our preachers come forth and after they're, after they're saved and they, they let it be known, I've got a burden in my heart to go tell people about the Lord. I've got a burden to go to other places and preach. I've got a burden. We call that a call to preach. See? Now, if you don't have that, don't try it. See? My old preacher, he got saved, and he was not educated at all. I think he went to the 10th grade. And, but he got saved, and he, he, the Lord gave him one of them, those salvations that he shook up the community. He went to every house in the community. And he said, I've been a sinner. I've talked about you. I've prob probably cussed you. And I want to ask you to forgive me. He, he didn't care whether they church members or not. He just went and told them. And, 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 he, and he shook it up. And the community up. And in about a year, he come forth weeping. And the pastor said, well, Brother May, what's wrong? He said, the Lord's called me to preach and I don't want to do it. He said, I'm not, I'm not qualified. I don't have the education. I, I, I don't have good English. But he said, the Lord gave me a dream and showed me my family all in coffins and said, I've got to make it known. And, and he turned out to be one of the most effective preachers in eastern Oklahoma for 50 years. Is that right? I mean, I mean, he, he would go anywhere they would call him and, and, and never, never ask how much he's going to pay him. Right. He pastored one church uh, one time for a dollar a Sunday. How's that? How's that for being paid? You say, well, what did he do that for? Because the love of Christ was shed abroad in his heart. He preached me under conviction. Thank God for Troy May. Now, I'm not praising him. I'm not, he's not my Savior. But he's certainly somebody that un could unlock your heart. Okay, on, let's, if you're on ministering, let, wait on ministering. Uh, he that teacheth on teaching. 
and I have to wait. And I, I, I pray all the time, Lord, don't let me say something you don't want said. And, and guide my lips that I might teach your word. And, 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 and my motive is not to be a good speaker. My motive is, I hope that you'll like me, but my motive is for you to like the Lord. My motive is to, for, for me to tell you what the Lord told us to do if you're saved or if you're lost. The, the Bible's got a message for us. See, and that's what I'm telling you about. This is church doctrine. Churches need to teach their people the Bible. See? And I'm not criticizing anybody, but I'm just saying we have a guidebook here. Uh, uh, I'm an engineer and by trade and and a big deal in my, in my vocation was specifications. Oh, we just wrote specifications and, and we'd find out what the owner wanted and we'd find out what the law said and, and we'd have to write specifications to fit all that. Well, the Lord's got specifications. Amen. He's got specifications, see? And if you don't obey the specifications, uh, uh, then you're, you're out of order, see? And that's the way the Lord is with the Bible, all right? He, he that uh, on teaching, uh, uh, wait on teaching, he exhorteth on exhortation, see? Or he that giveth, giveth, let him do it with simplicity. I'm going to stop right there a minute. I got Brother Billy Mitchell said, well, he's over here at a place and said, they want to, uh, the church wanted to give chicken dinners and ice cream suppers. And he said the church was as dead as the chicken and cold as the ice cream. And God did not, ordained in the Bible for churches to raise money that way. Hello. Let's get it right. Let's get it right. Give with simplicity. What does that mean? Some churches, they spend as much, about as much time taking up offerings as they do preaching or singing. And I'm not against that simplicity. don't mean let us give cheaply. Let us give small amounts. Don't mean that. Don't mean that. When a person is saved... They should be taught that giving is part of worship. Giving is part of worship. And, and, and we don't put pressure on you here to give. We just say we give you an opportunity because we do need to keep the lights on. We need to pray Brother Bell. We need to pray Brother Bryant because they can't operate on zero. But, but God, if you will take giving as part of worship, God will lead you what to do. And you won't have to give people formulas and, and all kind of gimmicks to get them to put in the offering plate. See? Boy, those old preachers that I was raised under, they's, they's hard on that. I mean, yeah, they want you to give, but they wasn't going to pass the plate four times. See? Right. Now, I'm just saying, give with simplicity. I'm standing with the Scripture. I'm not trying to get on anybody. I'm not trying to, to thrash anybody out. I'm just saying what the Bible wants us to say. All right, give with simplicity. He that, he that ruleth with diligence. See, all right, rule your house with diligence. Pastors, rule your church with love. See, back to my old preacher that I saved under, he said, I found out. That if I, when I talk to a congregation, if I can convince them that I love them, 
I can say almost anything to them and they won't be offended. But I've got to convince them I love them. See, because if I'm just up here throwing off on you and I'm a big shot and you're, you're, you're under tutorship today, you're, you're not going to take that. That's, you're just not going to do it. So I want you to know I love you and I, I care for you. And what I say is from the Bible and from my heart. See? All right. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Church, do you forgive people cheerfully? Well, he said, he, he said bad words to me. Do you forgive them cheerfully? What we're supposed to do. See? What my flesh wants to do is, yeah, I'm going to forgive him, but I'm not going to forget it. That's not cheerfully. That's not cheerfully. See? One scripture said, forgive those that trespass against you as your heavenly Father has forgiven you. That's a pretty good reason to do it, isn't it? All right. Let love be without dissimulation. What in the world does dissimulation mean? It means fakey or feigning. Church, you're supposed to love one another and it ain't supposed to be fakey. Now I know, I know. Thursday afternoon, after you've had a hard day, you're going to have some thoughts that's not holy, probably. But, but, we have a heavenly Father, and think about this. If you're saved, think about this. How much did God forgive you of? Huh? How much did God forgive me and you of? So, so we are to forgive. I know you can't be God, and your love could never be as great as God's love, but we could obey this scripture here, see? Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Another, another church doctrine, see? Now, church, let me say this to you. The reason, one reason that, we, that the Bible teaches this, uh, uh, abhor that which is evil and cleave that which is good, you've got people watching you. Now, and I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to give you an example. Well, if you saw me coming out of a liquor store with a, with a paper bag, and you know I'm a church member, is that going to leave a good impression with you? Huh? You see what I mean? Or, if I, or you saw me go into a casino. See? See, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm against them. I'm against them. You say, what are you against casinos for? Well, because gambling is not the way God wants us to make a living. See, and now people down, go down to the casino, that, 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 that's chancing. 
and, it, and it's, it's wagering money that you might, that you perhaps would make more money. Well, the Bible calls that unlawful gain. He talks about it. He talks about unlawful gain. See what I mean? So, but if you saw me do that, what kind of church member would you think I am? I know what you'd think. You'd think, there goes a hypocrite, wouldn't you? Okay? So, I, so I'm not supposed to do it, and I don't do it. Not bragging on me, I just tell you, you will never catch me in a casino. See? Now I'm just giving you an example of that. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. What's good? Well, good, clean living, having a prayer life, having, a, having an opportunity in your life or, or taking the opportunity to, to invite people to church and, 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 and telling people what good things the Lord has done for them. See, I've already stated that. We, we offer, through the Bible, through the Holy Ghost, eternal life. I'm sure these preachers are going to talk about that. I don't know what they got on their heart today. But they're going to talk about eternal life. And, and really, I mean, I mean, stop with me just a minute and think. What could be more valuable? What could be more valuable? See? The Bible promises us if you get born again, now, now that's, that's the hang-up. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Of course, Nicodemus said, how can I enter the second time of my mother's womb? You Bible readers know that. And Jesus says, that which is flesh is flesh. And that which is spirit is spirit. See? So he must be born spiritually. See? Somebody said, well, what, what does that do for you? The Lord will let you know it. The Lord will let you know it. When you get your sins forgiven, the Holy Ghost will let you know it. And you pass from a state of being what we call in conviction. I've seen people tremble. I have trembled under conviction. And I thank God for it. Because I was hard enough to crack. Maybe you hadn't. That's fine. That's fine. I don't give recipes on how God deals with people. That's his business. But, but, but God convicts us of our sins, and it makes our heart feel uneasy. But when you get born again, at that moment, you have peace with God. That's in the Bible more than once. And forever... If you got it forever, it will hold. Amen. Jesus said in John chapter 10, All that the Father giveth me shall come unto me. And all, that, all that he giveth me, I and no wise cast out. Well, no wise cast out. Okay? So if you get born again, number one, you got your sins forgiven. Number two, he's promised us a new body like Christ. Have a new body like his. See? I couldn't describe everything that he was when he had his glorified body, but he done a lot of things. Number two, it's forever and ever and ever. Number three, uh, number four, 
It's live forever in New Jerusalem. That's what he promises Christians. But, but what I got to say now, listen to me. Like he said up here about let love be without dissimulation. Please don't let your salvation be fakey. Be sure of it. You can be sure of it. Peter said, make your call and election sure. And you can do that. See? All right. So I just want to talk a few minutes today. I'm out of time. Uh, some things that we as church, as the church should do to please the Lord. And, and I know I've been a little bit scattering. I hope you'll forgive me for that. But uh, like I said, I'm out of time. And